Amen. What's up, you guys? How are you? Oh, it's good to be with you. I'm Kyler, if we haven't met yet. I'm on staff here. Um, I've been on staff for, I think, like four years now, um, and love getting to be a part of just what God's doing in your life, and it's, it's a blast. Um, let me tell you a little bit about myself, just so you can get to know me. I um, met my wife in Salt Company. Her name's Candace. We've been married almost four years. It'll be four years later this month. And we have two uh, really cute kids. I didn't bring a picture. I'm sorry. I couldn't choose. Like, it was just hard. And so I don't have a picture, but I'll show you. If you find me afterwards, I'll show you pictures of our kids. Uh, Archie is two. Brooklyn's like five months old. So they're a blast. We're potty training Archie. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. It just takes time. Yeah, little by little, some of it ends up in the toilet, some of it ends up on the rug. But that's our life right now. We just, you know, never know what's going to hit the deck. Um, anyways, um, we're in this foundation series to kind of kick off Salt Company, get, get rolling for the year. Last week, Jordan covered uh, the Bible. That's one of like the big foundations for us. We started with talking about God's Word and how we value it, how it's, it's the authority here at Salt Company, how we want to submit our lives to what God says in his word. And so tonight, like the ladies were saying, we're, gonna, we're actually going to talk about community. That's our uh, value for tonight, or our foundation. And maybe you've heard us say, if you've been kind of around Salt Company already this year, that we're not um, just like an event. In fact, like we don't want you to feel like you just come to an event. We are a family. So we're not an event, we're a family. And we want to together like grow in following Jesus. We want to actually experience and live in the community that he has for us. And so just to kind of show you my cards tonight, to tell you where I'm going, I want to call us to actually be like a loving family, a community that fights for each other's holiness, that is for us growing in Christ. I want to make the case for actually why Salt Company should be like your family, why some of your closest friends should be like people in this room. And I'm not saying your only friends, like that would be, that would be kind of weird. Like you should leave if we start telling you like, don't have any friends outside of Salt Company. That's weird. Okay. We used to joke about that. I ran cross country uh, and track at Cornell College and there was this joke that you couldn't have like any friends outside the team. And it was really just because like dudes would start dating girls and they would never hang out with us again. It's, Yeah. Don't do that either. Like, still hang out with us if you start dating someone. We'll talk about that. But um, if you're new to Salt Company, you also need to know this. We are not perfect. Like, we will let you down. We're not trying to, like, put on some, you know, facade that we will be perfect, that we'll, like, meet all your needs. But we're broken people. Like, we're saying we need a Savior. The people in this room who know Jesus are literally saying we aren't that great. Like, We've been bad friends at times. We've been bad at loving people, and we need Jesus. And so that's who we are. Like I said, this is our purpose, to actually follow Jesus together. And you, you actually need one another. You need community to follow Jesus. The Bible, like we talked about the Bible last week, the Bible doesn't know anything of some like Christian who just like follows Jesus in isolation, follows Jesus without other people, because there's lots of actually like commands in the Bible to do things for one another, to do things with one another. And so as we get going, let me ask you this. Do people know the real you? Like, 
Not the, the you that's like maybe put on Instagram, like where, where you actually only kind of allow some people to see something about you. But do people know the real you, the, like the you that doesn't actually end up on a story? And there's, there's plenty of like good reasons for not like just, you know, spilling all your guts to like everyone. I think that's healthy. To, to not actually tell everyone everything that's going on in your life. But somebody, in fact, maybe a group of people should know you deeply. Do, do people know, like, the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life, of your heart? Do people know, like, who you are and the things that you've been hurt by and the things that you long for? What would it be like if this year you actually had community with people who deeply knew you, who knew the things about you that you actually don't want to share in a story and still loved you? Like, could that even be possible? Could it be possible that you have friendship, community, fellowship with people that know really all of your life, that know your sin, they know everything, and still decide to love you, still walk with you. And if, I mean, you've just shown up like freshman year, like you might not actually have those friends yet. That's understandable. Maybe your answer to me asking you this is like, no, because I actually just left all of my like friends behind back home. I'm new to Salt, new to my school. And so to you, like, let me first say, I'm glad you're here. You belong here. Like no one is actually like above you in this room. You might feel kind of like a fish out of the water, but we want to know you. We want you to feel seen, known, and loved at Salt Company. And so what we're doing tonight is kind of like this family talk, right? We're saying, as we start the year, we want to open God's Word because we love the Bible and see what God is calling us to to be, who God is calling us to be, both individually and kind of corporately as a community, who God is calling us to be as a community. Because we're not going to be somebody, like, kind of, as a community. We're not going to be a community if, if we're not, like, embodying that individually. Like, everyone kind of in this room sets the pace in one sense or another, sets the temperature. Is either going to push forward healthy community or drag it down? This idea of community kind of seems to maybe be more prevalent these days. Like, I hear it, I'm watching TV, whatever, going on the internet, social media. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like other people, it's not just like Christians talking about community. It's happening. You might be like looking to buy shampoo. I'm not even kidding you. And it's like join like this movement, like be a part of this community that's making healthy, like eco-friendly green shampoo. Who finds their friends like by just like going, who buys the same shampoo as me? I don't think anyone has a friend in this room because you like bought the same shampoo online and you connected on their website. But people are literally trying to sell you community, sell you belonging in all places. And some of them are better than like on the internet. Some of them are on your campuses, being a part of other clubs, other things, perhaps good things. But tonight, as we open the Bible, I want to show you kind of First of all, this beautiful God that we have come to know. So open your Bibles to uh, 1 John chapter 4. 
1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give one to you. Um, come go out to Info Central afterwards. We would love to give you a Bible. The verses will be on the screen too. But like I said, tonight my goal is to call us to actually love one another as God has loved us. That's what this text is about. That's kind of the theme. The theme is love. And so what we're going to do, we're starting in verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to kind of take this in two kind of movements. First, verses 7 through 10, what is love? And then second, what being, by, being loved by God does, verses 11 through 21, what being loved by God does. So 1 John is this letter in the New Testament, if you're new to the Bible, it's written by the Apostle John. It's perhaps, actually, some people think a sermon that's like recorded for us, but it's in the form of a letter like many of the other uh, books in the New Testament. And earlier on in this book, he actually says that we are writing these things to you so that your joy, or sorry, our joy may be complete. Like both your joy and his joy, if, if you're like the original audience, is in view here. Like he wants you to experience joy. Does anyone want less joy? Probably not. Cool. That's good. All right. We're off to a good start. People want more joy. So if you want joy, lean in with me. I'm going to read verse 7. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So right away we have this command to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Now, what John is saying here, like how he's using the word love is not like kind of as just flippantly as we use it. I might say, I love pizza. That's not like as kind of strong as he's using it here. In fact, like our English language kind of fails us when we come to places like this in the Bible. John is talking about some type of love that's far more deep and unwavering. And before we keep going, get into the rest of the verses, I want to explain also here what he means when he says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. He's referring actually to what Jesus teaches in the Gospel of John. So this other book that John wrote, not 1 John, but the Gospel of John, and in chapter 3, Jesus has this encounter with this religious man named Nicodemus. And he tells this really religious man who knows a lot of things about the Jewish faith that in order to enter the kingdom of God, he must be born again. Like, he must have this transformation in his soul. This, like the most deep inner part of his being has to experience renewal. Has to have a complete new birth by God's Spirit. Like, he needs to be changed. And Jesus is saying that's how it works for everyone. In order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. It's kind of churchy language. You might have, you know, kind of heard people talk about, like, oh, those born-again Christians. But the Bible doesn't have, like, a different category for born-again Christians than normal Christians. You have to be born again because, actually, the way we're born, according to Ephesians chapter 2, is dead in trespasses and sins. Jesus says if you want to be in the kingdom, 
you must have experienced this heart change, this inner change. And it's brought about by the Spirit. Like, it's not just enough to know God. You have to be changed by God. You have to be born of God. Notice that he says, born of God and knows God. Like, you might have knowledge about God, but have you been born of God? God's Spirit is the one that brings about that change. So we have this command to love one another. And last thing I want to point out in this verse, we're going to spend the most time here. Don't worry, we're not going like super slow all night. Verse 7, when it says that like the one who loves has been born of God, it doesn't say the one who loves becomes born of God. Like it's not by your intensity or how much love you dole out that eventually you become born again, that you experience the new birth. No, this kind of love is evidence of being changed, of evidence of being born again. Because God's love for us, we're going to learn, is actually not based on our work. Okay, let me read verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Which is kind of striking, right? Because it's, it's saying that if you don't know God, you cannot love like Christians can love. And thank God that John says to us that God is love. Like, I want us to, to pause here and notice how good of news this is, that God is love. He could tell us anything. He could be anything. But as John is writing, carried along by the Holy Spirit, this is who God is saying He is. Love. Thank God He's not saying, I am wrath. Right? John doesn't say, God is wrath. He says, God is love. And though it's true that God has a just and righteous wrath, because he hates injustice, he hates sin, he hates evil. Everything he does is out of being a God of love. So Salt Company, look at me. God is love. And this like, means all three persons of the triune God. Not just Jesus is love. It might, it might be that you think of kind of Jesus as being the loving guy and the Father being angry. That's not what is going on here. All three persons of the Trinity are in view when John says, God is love. There's also this significant, powerful, I think, kind of cultural current that's pulling us into, you know, trying to get us to believe that love is God. So it, like, flips it. When this is saying, when our Bibles are saying God is love, the world is saying, love is God. That really, perhaps God is just, you know, up there to make you feel good about yourself, to affirm you and all your choices. And you know, like your community should too, right? Like your community shouldn't ever oppose you or say anything hard to you. They should just love you no matter what. They shouldn't speak up ever if you decide to kind of change your convictions. They shouldn't ever speak up if you do something they don't agree with. They should just love you, right? And never speak the truth to you because everyone just has their own truth, right? 
you guys, this is not the way of Jesus. This is not what God, being love, means. You see, God is love, but he's also holy. He's also deserving of all of our worship in all areas of our life. Like, did Jesus come into the world and love the marginalized and oppressed people? Yes. But he also called people to obedience. He called people from their sin and to God. And what we know, because God has revealed himself to us in the word, is that we were made for community. We were made for community because we were created in his image. We're image bearers of the triune God who's eternally existed in community, which means what you're longing for as the year starts, as maybe you're here and you don't have any friends yet, or some of your friends have gone away to a different school or whatever, like, that's actually how God designed you. You were made to have community. And if you belong to Jesus, you were actually made to be a part of his family, a part of God's family. He adopted you into his family, and the way you experience that in the world, in this life, is actually by being a part of Christian community. So let's keep reading verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So I said earlier, right, we have those two movements. What is love is the first one. And in these verses, we see that the fullest, clearest, loudest expression of love is that God manifested himself, that he came in the form of a human, that he put on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and took our sin, took the punishment for our sin himself as a sacrifice. It took Jesus being nailed to the cross to avert the wrath of God. That's what this word propitiation is getting at. It's kind of a big word. You might have heard it if you kind of have been familiar with the Bible, but it just means to avert the wrath of God by the offering of a gift. That's what Jesus has done. And I also want to pause on this word sin, right? Another churchy word. Sin, you might have heard it before, kind of described in a couple different ways, perhaps like falling short of God's glory or transgressing the law, like missing the mark. Both are good kind of definitions, understandings of what sin is, but it's also not responding. Sin is not responding to God's love with love for Him. When we sin, the, the, the result is brokenness between us and God. Brokenness permeating all the way to the level of creation there's brokenness not just in our relationship with God but because of sin there's brokenness in our relationship with each other but what John says in verse 9 is that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him we can live 
in a new way. We can live through Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, I've tried this Christianity thing. I've tried to pull myself up from my bootstraps. I've tried to kind of stop sinning, stop these bad habits, get my act together, and it's just been trying. You've never been living in the power of Jesus. You've never been living through his resurrection power and through what he's done for you. Maybe you're discouraged tonight with your kind of growth and your fight against sin. And some of what God wants to teach us, I think, tonight is just that he is not done with us. That he loves us, and he loves us right where we're at. If we've been like someone who's turned from our sin to him in trust and in faith, he's not kind of just going, ah, I don't know if I would have purchased him or her again. He loves you, Christian. And so, perhaps with your discouragement, you need to share that with someone. You need to let people actually into the discouragement and encourage you, pray for you, fight with you. You guys, don't miss these verses. These verses are explaining to us what love is. It's that God has sent Jesus Christ for us when we did not love him. It's sacrificial. It's completely like just all of God emptying himself for us. God is saying, this is love that I have sent Jesus for you. Why would he change his mind on you now? This is a God who displays his love for sinners who do not measure up to him at all. And the Bible isn't just saying like this is what love is. It's saying this is the greatest love of all. God has shown his love for us in the most real way by coming low, coming to die, coming to save. So that's what love is. Jesus has shown us God's love. Now let's look at what being loved by God does. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. You guys, there's this word here, right? We also ought to. That ought. Someone say ought. It's kind of fun. Okay. This is not some like ought to from your parents when you don't want to do what they're asking. Because if you know Jesus, if this love has come into your life and changed you, this is an ought to that you want to obey, that you want to respond to. If you're living through Jesus, you have all the power to actually obey God. You no longer need to be arrogant or insecure, attempting to hide weakness or faults because you've actually been loved by the God of the universe. So there's no more loved, like there's no more love that you could possibly feel. You don't need to be topped up on love outside of being loved by God. If you're in Christ, you don't need somebody else to kind of make you feel like you are loved and accepted, though that's good. And Christians, I'm calling us to do that. But we can actually be people who like overflow with love for one another and not expect anything in return. He is enough for us. 
Verses 13 and 14 now. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. This is another outcome of believing the gospel. We receive God's spirit. Like when you believe the gospel, when God causes that like rebirth, that new birth, we receive his spirit, but we don't just receive his spirit for ourselves. We receive it so that we can build one another up, so that we can serve one another, encourage one another. The spirit has given us many different gifts, all for serving and being a part of other people's lives. In other words, because God has loved us, we're adopted into his family, and that's who we are. Like, we are a part of God's family. John says that he has seen Jesus. Like, he saw the risen Jesus, actually. And though we haven't seen Jesus with our physical eyes, we can testify to the reality that God and his love for us when we were not lovely people, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, saved us, called us to himself, gave us purpose, gave us life. You can testify to the fact that God's love changes you, and it can change other people. And you have to tell other people to testify to this great God, right? You have to actually speak. You have to open your mouth. Maybe talking about kind of who God is and what you believe about God, you've maybe felt is your, just kind of not your place. Like, you don't want to offend someone else. But you guys, how unloving would it be if you've actually experienced this love, if you've come to know and believe this love that God has for you, how unloving would it be if you kept it to yourself? Look what John says next at verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Like, that's what you have to do to come into the family, is just confess that Jesus is Lord, that he is the one the Father has sent to be the Savior of the world. In Romans 10, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Like, turn from your sin to Jesus. He loves you and he died for you. If you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God wants to be with you. He wants to abide in you. He wants to take up residence in you through the Spirit. Abiding is not just like some kind of flippant word either. Like, it means remain. Like, God will remain with you if you confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me read the rest of our passage, the rest of the chapter, verse 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. 
And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has, who, whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You guys, being loved by God, this is another kind of outcropping. This is another result of being loved by God. Being loved by God silences fear of God's judgment. Like it calls us to check our hearts as well and to, to see if we really love our, our brother, our neighbor, the people around us, the people in our life, the people who especially like are our brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you guys to scan this passage if you have a Bible. Look at how many times the words we and us are in this chunk of verses. I think it's like over 20 times the the words we and us are used. Because the gospel creates a community. This is a community of faith that John is writing to. We are a community of faith who are coming under God's word, being formed and shaped and molded together. And there are lots more commands, like if we had an endless amount of time that we could look at, that are for our joy. They're not just commands that, if you know Jesus, aren't that exciting. They're good things for us. Things like consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Scary ones, perhaps, like confess your sins to one another. Why? Like so that you may be healed, so that you may be reassured of the gospel, so that someone may point you back to Jesus. And so let me tell you what my prayer for us is, you guys. It's for us as a community this year to stir one another up in love, to point each other to the God who does love us, to be a community that says, even if I've never practiced any of these one another's before, really with people, especially my age or whatever, or I've never confessed my sins in a small group, or I've never prayed for someone else, or I've never prayed out loud, that we would step out in faith and do it because we have no one to prove and no one to impress. Nothing to prove and no one to impress. Like, if God loves you the way that he says he does, you don't need to be someone you're not. You guys, it's the people in your connection group, and I'm telling you, if you aren't in a connection group yet, there's always time, but don't wait. It's in a connection group that you actually start to experience the community and love that God's created you to flourish in. Connection group isn't just for, like, Christians. We would love for you to be a part of a connection group if you don't know Jesus. You belong in a connection group just as much as anyone else. But it's in kind of the most proximate relationships that you have, I think, that you can practice the one another, that you can be both encouraged and encourage each other. I'd even go so far as to say your connection group actually are the people that God has called you to be most concerned this year with loving, caring for, praying for. 
helping follow Jesus, like that's something all of us share in together. Because you're regularly going to be together. You're regularly going to be doing life together. I, I kind of want to take this like really weird right turn or left turn, whatever way is the weirder one, um, and give you four things you should do if you just like actually don't want to have good community. All right? Do the opposite. Here's the first one. Only go to connection group when you have nothing else competing for your time. Same thing for Salt Company. Just go when you have nothing else competing for your time. And it's totally understandable, right, that something might come up. You have other things. You have a huge exam you need to study for. But I'm saying if you want God's love to not only change you but actually flow through you, you need to be with us. You need to help us worship God week in and week out. You need to be at Connection Group, not just for yourself but for other people. Let me give you the other three. We'll just go fast. Go to connection group, only looking to be served and not to serve. Third one, go home every weekend. Fourth, if you're dating someone, only ever hang out with them. All right, I'll go back through those ones now. These are all bad ideas. If you go to connection group just feeling like you need your cup filled, it might not ever actually get super filled. You have some responsibility to actually abide in Jesus as he abides in you. And you can go to connection group, sometimes, yeah, not having the best day, sometimes needing other people to encourage you, pick you up. But just because you're not a leader in your connection group doesn't mean you don't actually have a responsibility to kind of set the culture, be a part of reminding people of the gospel, praying for people, even when you're not meeting. If you go home every weekend, I'm just telling you, you're probably going to miss out on a lot of fun. Just saying. And if you're dating someone, it's not bad, but if you're dating someone, what would your life look like if you actually allowed your community into your relationship in such a way that it would actually be more healthy for you to have people who know Jesus along with you guys who could actually like, help you guys determine if you guys should stay in this relationship, help you guys in so many ways not fall into sin, all those things. Like if, honestly, guys, if I could go back kind of just five, six years, whatever, this is the one that I, I needed to change the most. I'll be honest. It's easy to just like think, I'm dating someone. I should spend most of my free time, if not all of my free time with them, but it's the people in your connection group. It's the people in this room who are going to be close to you, going to be in need of you actually living out the one another's of Scripture. And I think most of all, being loved by you because you've been loved by God. Salt Company, nothing can change God's love for you. Like not your bad days, not your worst sin or the sin that you're discouraged that you haven't gotten over, got, haven't put into death. If you're anything like me, you need people in your life who are going to be 
channels of God's love for you at your worst. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, I'm going to invite the band to come up. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And we're going to respond to the fact that God has loved us and told us that love is not that we have loved him. It's that he has loved us when we had nothing to offer him. When we had not loved him. And so we're going to respond again with worship to him because of his grace and love. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you put on flesh, that you became the image of the invisible God who went all the way to the point of death on a cross for us, that you loved us to the end, that you rose again and are so for us that your love for us never ceases, that you're a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. God, I, I know what it's like to be in this room as a student feeling like I need and I want more depth of community. I want someone to know me, love me, be everything for me. But God, help us to fix our eyes up onto you and onto your love and what you've done. Thank you that the work is finished, that you have conquered sin, Satan and death, that in, in you we have everything we need. God, I want to worship you for what you've done, for how you've loved me. Help us to respond to you now because of your love. We ask this in your name. Amen.